Professor Gann Melinda, uh, for more than 30 years, you've been teaching math of different types at Mississippi College, and you were recently honored with the Distinguished Faculty of the Year Award. That's quite an honor. Congratulations. Thank you. And in an article from the school, you offered a lot of thoughts on life and teaching, and we wanted to find out a, a bit more about this. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, you clearly consider your students a lot more than just students, right? Oh, absolutely. So what are your thoughts on, on, on teaching? You know, when, when you step into the classroom, what, what are you thinking? Well, I'm just aware that each person's just a unique creation of God, and um, some know it and some don't, uh, but I know it. So I view them as a person. I don't, what I always say is I don't teach mathematics. I teach people about mathematics. And so remembering that these are people, um, unique creations of God uh, created, you know, with purpose and for a purpose. And so that's the way I view it. I view it as a privilege that I get to intersect in their lives somehow. Now, for some students, uh, the very thought of trig or calculus might be a, a bit intimidating. How do you get students past that? I jokingly tell them that uh, they've never had me. So for some of them, they really are intimidated by it. But I'm confident that each one can be successful. And so sometimes I have to believe in them before they can believe in themselves. And so that's what I, that's what I start with. That's what I tell them. And so I just tell them that I need them to trust me, that I, I know what I'm doing. And that if they do what I tell them to, then they will be successful. And that I don't know anything about their past. So I, I come in with no preconceptions. So, you know, if, if they've had a hard time in the past, this is their do-over. This is where they start with a clean flesh, you know, a, a fresh slate. And that really does seem to calm them down some. I was reading where you compare problem solving, like in mathematics, to problem solving that can take place in, in real life. Tell us more about that. There is a sociologist slash psychologist um, that was from the University of Kansas named C.R. Snyder. And he says that hope is not a feeling, that hope is a way of thinking. And that's very biblical and it's also very mathematical. So his definition of hope has three parts to it. Part one, you know where you want to go. Part two, you're able to come up with a flexible uh, plan to get from where you are to where you want to be. And part three is that you believe you can do that. And so naturally, hopeless would be if you did not believe one of those things. If you did not know where you wanted to go, that would be hopeless, your situation. If you couldn't find a way to get from where you are to where you want to be, that would be hopeless. And what I find to be true is most of the time it's the third part. They know where they are and they know where they want to go and they see a place to get there, but they don't believe they can do that. And so the mathematical definition of problem solving is almost identical. It's step one is you understand the problem. Step two is you devise a plan. Step three is you carry out the plan. And step four is you look back to see if you solve the problem. So what I tell them is that's exactly what you do in real life. An algorithm is a step-by-step method of solving a problem, actually solving an exercise. So if you always do these six steps, you're guaranteed to get the right answer if you don't make a mistake. That's what an exercise is. 
And algorithms solve exercises, but algorithms don't solve problems. And in the real world, there's usually just problems. There's not a four-step guaranteed step-by-step to save your marriage. So when I teach them how to do problem-solving in math, I'm teaching them problem-solving in life. Right. That's fascinating. What is the most rewarding thing about your job? I think the most rewarding thing in my job is when I find a student who, for whatever reason, truly, they don't see in themselves what I see in them. And I get to introduce them to that better self. And so life is very hard sometimes. And so I truly enjoy teaching the mathematics. I do. I love those aha moments where they didn't think they could do something and then they did that hard thing. But my favorite part are the times in my office when the students come in and sit down and discuss life. It's a Christian university. So one of the things I get asked a lot of time is, how do I know God's will for my life? Or Dr. Gann, would you be willing to mentor me this semester? Or Dr. Gann, would you pray with me? My mom has cancer. So it's actually getting to know the student as a person Um, in addition to as a student, and them just walking with me in that journey of life and just sharing their life with me and watching them grow and change. And so it's just a, it's a unique time in life, and it's just a privilege to be able to get to know these fantastic children of God. Now, something like that, the extracurricular on your part, that takes a lot of time. How do you manage it? Well, it's like anything else. You have time for what you want to have time for. So once again, because I believe I'm teaching people, um, I need to be interested in the people. So, you know, I prioritize my time. Uh, I sponsor their clubs. I go to their ball games, their, you know, competitions, their concerts. Um, We go to church together. So there's just a lot of ways to plug in. And so, I may not do some different extracurricular activities. These may be my extracurricular activities. So it's just, that's a priority for me and a time for my priorities. Is there any particular situation, and you don't have to name names or anything, where Mm -hmm. you saw a life change take place in a student because of something you taught or something you advised, something you're going to remember forever? Yeah, there is. Um, This was actually a student I had in public middle school before I started teaching college, I had been teaching at Mississippi College probably at this point about 20 years. Uh, I taught public junior high and high school for five years when I first graduated from college. And so I was teaching um, eighth graders. So fast forward 25 years later, I am at Mississippi College and I have a student contact me via Facebook. And When I opened up the message, it simply said, are you the Mrs. Gann that taught at Castleberry Middle School in Fort Worth? If you are, you know, I'd love to talk with you more. If you're not, sorry for bothering you. And I saw the person's name and recognized it and just sent him a message back that said, yes, I'm that Mrs. Gann. I'm just a lot older. And it was a gift from God because it had been just a hard season in my life. And the message that came back was, oh, my goodness, with a lot of exclamation points, I've been looking for you for years. You changed my life. 
And he simply said, um, in the eighth grade, you convinced me that I was good at math. And because you told me that I was good at math, I took a lot of math. And it became my favorite subject. And I went on and basically um, became an engineer. You changed my life. And you believed in me before I could believe in myself. And thank you. And what I would love to say is that I remember deep conversations with that student, but I don't. He was simply a student that I had that I treated like all the other students. So what I tell my students is this. You never know what people hear, what people see. You never know what God is doing. So they're not red letter days or there's no red flag that says this moment counts. They all count. And so even if I had not received that message, it still would have been true that for whatever reason, God used those moments in my class to make that student's life better in some way. So even if you as a person don't see the difference you're making in the world, it doesn't mean you're not making a difference. So each act of love, each kind word, each help, each positive interaction with a person puts love into the world. And, and that's a love that comes from the love of God. And that changes the world. To someone who may be listening or, or reading the article that we're going to do and is considering a career in teaching, what advice would you offer? I tell my students a lot of times on the very last day of class that I see a lot of students pick their majors by the amount of money they're going to make. But they're only 24 hours in a day and you're going to spend at least eight hours a day at your job. And eight out of 24 is a third. So you're trading a third of your life for something and no amount of money is worth a third of your life. So make sure that you trade well. I am biased, but I think teaching is trading exceptionally well. Um, you are given the opportunity to love on students. You are given the opportunity to believe in them before they can believe in themselves. You're given the privilege of having the same title that Jesus himself had as teacher. And to be entrusted with that is a great, great gift. And it's worth more than any amount of money. So I could make a lot more money with a PhD in math, but I do what I do because I think it matters. I think that I have the privilege to change lives one person at a time. So if you feel God basically tapping you on the shoulder and saying, why don't you teach? Just tell him, thank you for giving you that privilege and do it with all of your heart and your mind and your strength. Dr. Gann, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love Caleb. <laughs> Thank you.